Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Ben Drinking, Then Watching. As always, you're joined by me, Matthew Belts, Andrew Hogan, and the tech wizard, Alex Ace Kaimano. This week, we had a fun time dissecting the movie A Few Good Men, starring Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, and Jack Nicholson. This week's episode is unofficially sponsored by Stella Artois. And uh, yeah, we had a really good time uh, recording this one. We kind of got lost in the uh, conversation, had a fun challenge at the end. And uh, yeah, we obviously hope you enjoy. This is Been Drinking, Been Watching. Oh, all right. What's going on? Been Drinking, Been Watching. You can sit on your own dick for this one. I will answer, but I need to know the parameters here. When you're gone, maybe it's time to come home. Uh, who does that? Come home. Matchbox Twenty. I don't know. That is Matchbox Twenty. You're right. Yeah. Rob Thomas. Robert Thomason. And I uh, can hardly move. Of the Boston Thomases. Yeah, the Boston Thomases families. Oh, the Boston Dawsons. And we are a So Sue liked it, huh? Sue liked it. She, That's cool. I she, like the uh, I like the the feedback. She she opposes our language, but she Obviously. thinks that we have a good dynamic going. Cool. She, yeah, she thinks that I'm more of the technical ace. You've kind of got that. So what, how did she phrase it? I'm monotone, but on point. No, she didn't say shit. monotone. Uh, she said low you, voice, funny, like soft spoken, funny. And then Andrew, she said you feel the movies. I do, man. Like <laughs> when we watch movies that I care about, like this one. Tonight. Oh my god, dude! I was telling yeah. Ace, are we? I can't hear shit. Are we going? Oh, yeah. There we going. go. Um, he yeah. muted you. He muted. <laughs> I didn't mute you. He I fingers him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mute anybody. Yeah, so uh, she she was saying that you feel the movies, and you know that gets us to n- tonight. Andrew, how do you feel about uh, the movie that we're watching this week? Dude, uh, guys, so we're watching A Few Good Men tonight, and I kid you not, so I like Tom Cruise's early work. You know, like I like a lot of things he did in the 90s. Like I love Eyes Wide Shut. I think he's so good in Eyes Wide Shut, but... This movie really, he has such charisma in this movie, and he owns the screen from the second that he takes over. You know what I mean? Anybody who says that Tom Cruise can't act, like everybody who grew up on the new Mission Impossibles and that dumbass remake, The Mummy, uh, they they need to take a hard look at A Few Good Men, because this is Tom Cruise literally at the top of his game. This is a very good example of how Tom Cruise got the, um, not the impression, but the Fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word of a uh, reputation mm. for being uh, over the top, like before the whole Oprah thing? Sure. Like he definitely was... he definitely took it to some places where he was over the top. And I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this, but are there not hints of Jim Carrey in this role? Facial expression. I can see that. Yeah, Facially, absolutely. And the way that he, he moves his body around and the way that he like says words, he's like, something. Well, I always like to see like different intricacies of actors, like when they're performing, like stuff that you can tell makes them feel more comfortable on screen. Like right. you know, Brad Pitt's always like chewing on something or drinking mm. something. Tom Cruise needed that bat to yeah, feel dude. in his element. And even though it's scripted that way, it almost I really believed that like Tom Cruise was like, shit, I was supposed to have the bat for this scene and I can't find it. Like, where the fuck is this bat? Oh, that would, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, I don't, okay. yeah. I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but another character choice he kept making was that he was always grabbing for something. Like, it was either his keys or he was grabbing the Yoohoo or he was grabbing a donut. Yeah, uh, there was always something in his hands that he was looking for, when he, especially when he was thinking and, like, trying to work through his... Uh, Morty. <laughs> Morty. <laughs> when he's trying to work through his thoughts there. Well, I think it was pretty cool because, like, that's what act... I, I feel like those are what good actors do is that they, they don't just 
just say the lines. They find the reality in the situation. So, like, the, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is that walk and talk with uh, Jack Ross, Kevin Bacon, uh, sure. when they meet, like, for the first or second time, and they go into the hallway, and Tom Cruise goes over to the donuts, and he's fingering through the donuts, and then he grabs one, and he eats a bite, and he tosses it. That's a great character. Uh, dis- that's a great character action. Sure. It really kind of sells that he's the guy. When he walks in to... To Joe Galloway's office chewing the apple. Yes. That's Th- that hilarious. was the scene right there where I was like, I don't care what happens the rest of this movie. I was like, <laughs> this man is a freaking genius. And Stephen Ball, or um, no, I'm sorry, Kevin Pollock was the perfect compliment. Absolutely. Yeah. Like literally the perfect compliment. His neutral comp, which is funny because Kevin Pollock actually has a personality. Well, you can see a lot of his comedic timing coming through in the very subtle way that he plays this character opposite uh, you Tom know, Cruise, yeah. Tom Cruise's big over the top, you know, kind of bombasticness. For and sure. He's a little bit older, he's a little bit se- more seasoned, you know, so he kind of he can reel him in a little bit, you know, cuz you could tell Tom Cruise actually does respect him. Yeah, oh, you know, even though it's it's very clear that Tom Cruise is the alpha oh, in yeah. that, but he has a very, very distinct respect for Kevin Pollock's character. He's kind of like a mentor. He's kind of like his walking mentor when, uh, in a way, and also being his friend. You're absolutely right. And I mean, uh, he's also kind of like, uh, I, I don't know what the proper term would the, for this would be, but he almost like explains Tom Cruise to everybody. It's like, no, 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 no. You'll, you'll get to like him in a way. Like sure. the first time he meets Joe, it's, you know, yeah. Tom Cruise is making such an ass of himself, but, you know, Kevin oh. Polak comes to his back and he's like, hey, man, like, no, he's actually a good lawyer. Right, right. And, and all right before we get actually no we're already in it what i think was awesome about this movie like as a story for if it's tom cruise's story what's so cool is that he didn't know that the setup he was picked specifically for the setup he is a good lawyer but i don't even think that he knows how good of a lawyer he is and i don't think that you know well, that's this the whole thing he's been running from well you <laughs> Because, yes. I mean, think it's, about it. It's so such a torture. I mean, well, think about it. If you, I don't know, if you have such an expectation to live up to, I was uh, listening to a podcast today with Jeff Cronenworth, uh, who's David Fincher's DP, and oh, his cool. dad was Jordan Cronenworth, who did Blade Runner. So, oh, like, shit. he was talking about what it's like to grow up in the industry and be a cinematographer and have the weight of your father sure. and his masterpieces lingering over you. So, wow. you know, that kind of goes back to the point about Tom Cruise, and, you know, you're absolutely right. He's the perfect setup because he's trying to skate by throughout this entire movie just like getting plea deals but everybody's forcing it they're like no you know how to make an argument you are potentially one of the best lawyers you just need to focus well yeah and that comes from joe and uh sam sam mainly joe but yes joe and sam and i just thought that it was funny like the setup is that he is he's not going to trial anyway like this is going to be a closed deal we're going to get this under the rug and and that's that. No one actually expected him to take it to trial. And when he actually figured out that they didn't want him to take it to trial mm-hmm. and that they thought he was just dumb enough or not smart enough to actually get to the bottom of it, it's like he it's it's a switch that gets turned on in in the character of Danny. He he really is like, oh fuck you, I'm gonna show you now. Like I'm really gonna show you. Actually, you set me up to be here because you think I'm an idiot. Well, like he's so good at what he does that he never actually has to reach his full potential. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's very content with taking the, the easy plea bargain way out. You know Cause what he's I mean? so like, damn charming. He's charming right. and he has conviction. You know what I mean? But when it's time for him to like, when, when he's challenged on that, 
he's like, well, <laughs> well, go easy here because I'm still smarter than everybody in this room. You know what I mean? I can out litigate everybody in this room, you know, and all I need is that little, that little ego, that ego oomph. bruise, you know, from Joe Galloway. And he's just like, let's talk about Demi for a minute because damn dude like she was fierce in this movie like she's kind of annoying but like she's the perfect uh, opposite against Tom Cruise like she kind of brings the heat in terms of like I don't really I don't know I don't necessarily understand her motivation other than the fact that she wants to see justice brought to yeah light. I think she's just righteous but like I you know she has no history with this guy so you know it, I don't know what I'm trying to say is that she's the perfect actor to push him in a convincing way like she's like she's like dropping an ice cube in a piping hot cup of hot chocolate mm. you know what I mean like she's like the calm down you know what I mean bring it back to earth a little bit but she has conviction too, you know, because she's very stern in what she wants and what she believes. Um, her, I disagree with that, though. I mean, I mean, keep going on. I her don't part think was actually calm. written for a man. Really? Well, her Weird. part was written. No, it wasn't written. It for, was written for a man. Was it? It was written for a man, but then it wouldn't work in the play, so Sorkin rewrote it for a woman. Oh, interesting. Because I read a piece of trivia that said somebody asked him, "Why did you make this a woman if they're not sleeping with Tom Cruise?" And he goes, "Because I really want to talk about that later. I really, really want to talk about Me that." Too. Me too. Um, but then, uh, yeah. So anyway, I think that Demi Moore is a great casting choice, and honestly, uh, I found this out as well. So Rob Reiner actually wanted Michelle Pfeiffer. But he felt that Michelle, he, he needed somebody tougher. So Demi Moore actually took a pay cut to be this part. Really? Yeah. Her her asking salary at the time was uh, $3 million and she went down to $2 million in order to... Oh, only a... Wow. Well, that's the funny thing. What, what, what a what Well, a that's cut. the funny thing. So you think about how, you know, she's being paid... Three million. The budget was like what forty million. Uh, Jack Nicholson commanded five. I wonder what all the other A-list actors got on this movie. No He's a shit. cast in this movie, man. Like Huge ensemble cast. Cast, cast, and it's so great. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon was Kevin Bacon awesome. Is really, and, he was and sick. even though Kevin Bacon is technically like. The antagonist, I guess he's no, he's very he's like not that. the antagonist, but he he represents the antagonist. He represents the antagonist. Ace and, I were, yeah. Ace and I were actually talking about this. He's kind of a sketchy character. Well, he's he's a complicated character in the sense that he wants to do what's right, but he grew up in the Marines, so he has that innate sense of loyalty to them. Uh, you know, I I don't know, right. But that doesn't make him. I wouldn't say he's the good, antagonist. You know, though. I mean, no, it's, it's I mean, very clear that uh, Kendrick and uh, Jessup are the antagonists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. I think that. I think that. But by that logic, you could say Kendrick is just sort of a victim of his upbringing too. Maybe I don't know that. I mean, you bring up a good point. I would definitely entertain that. But like, Ken, it's because Kiefer Sutherland, just in general, like especially yeah. in the '90s, you're like, oh, what a prick. Yeah, <laughs> Kiefer, Kiefer has that bad, you know, antagonist, bad boy attitude about him. So like, he hops on screen. Like my favorite is, uh, what what Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant what Kendrick? What's his real name? First name rather? Jonathan. Matthew? No, Jonathan. Oh, oh, oh for for. Kiefer's role? Yeah, what's his John, John right? Yeah, it's yeah. John Kendrick. And then when they're when they're at Guantanamo and uh Tom Cruise turns to him, can I call you John? No, no. you may not. No, you may not, right? Like just that line alone tells you so much about that guy. Well, I think it says a lot about uh just who's represented in the Marines in the uh the privates and like the lower rankings uh underneath uh, how seriously Jessup. they take themselves. It's it's culty. It's definitely culty. They're in the cult of Jessup. Well, it's, yeah, in the cult of Jessup, and especially uh, Downey and Dawson. Downey and Dawson suffer from this brainwashed need um, order 
just like anybody that falls to a cult. And like even when they're being interrogated or interviewed by Tom Cruise in the first uh, the first time, mm. and it's like, uh, what is it? Unit core. Uh, unit core uh, god country god you want country. me to go to the defense right <laughs> and like he's dead serious when he's like sir and he's like dude you don't have to call me sir we're we can be casual now and he's like he's he's straight backed he is trained <clears throat> he is not faltering to any human part of him he is just what he's trained to do dawson when you say sir i look over my shoulder and look for my father dan danny <laughs> well, and that's why Galloway likes them so much. To, to a little bit to what you were talking about before, she even says it. She says she's like nothing. Um, what is she saying? Um, she said like they stand on the wall. The, uh, oh, um, what yeah. a good line! She said nothing's going to hurt you tonight. Not on my watch. That's that's, that's those kind of people. Exactly. That's why she likes them. Which and I do love why. Why do you hate them so much? And why do you like they beat them up so on much? a kid? <laughs> well, what I like is that he, they brought that question and like kind of flipped is like why do you like them so much and why do you hate it so why do you hate them so much and they both have very valid points as to why they're doing what they're doing and why they feel the way that they do who hates them being um kevin polak mm -hmm. as sam weinberg uh is it lieutenant weinberg sam lieutenant, weinberg sam yeah. weinberg yeah, yeah yeah and then why do you like them so much being being joe mm -hmm. and they both have i think perfect explanations one sentence explanations as to why they feel the way that they do well they they come from t two very different schools of thought too you can tell sure. weinberg and galloway's character like Car galloway harps on instinct you know what i mean right. like she goes with what her gut is telling her whereas weinberg is from the, the education system you know like he's thinking logically he's thinking like these are the facts right if anything i would say back to your point about joe being the ice cube and the hot chocolate i would say that's more sam than anybody and i think that if anything, Joe is I the hot chocolate. I think that Joe is the one who gets way too passionate and tries to spearhead so, so directly without actually putting thought into how you're supposed to approach this case. Like she goes right up to Jessup is like, did you do this? It's like, no, we have to get off. Tom Cruise is like, no, we're done here. We are done here. Let me do the thing. Let me let this plan marinate for a little bit. And she's like, no, I'm getting to the answers now. She does that in the courtroom too. She does it in the courtroom. She does it. She does it a couple times in yeah. this movie where she just spearheads through and everyone has to like kind of rein her back and let her see how the plan's going to unfold. It just occurred to me. She outranks you, Danny. That's yes, got to be attractive. Oh, yeah. That's dude. all fucking slimy. And then, I mean, elephant in the room, Nicholson. Nicholson is what an a perfect absolute, villain. He's an absolute machine in this. I almost feel bad though, because it's like, is he is he inherently a bad person? Or no, is he. That's what I mean. No, like, he I is think not. he. I think he genuinely believes what he's doing. He thinks, you know, sometimes to to make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs. Yeah, right. and it's it's the best. I mean, he in that one scene where he's with Kendrick and Markinson, he does such a good job at explaining his worldview. Right. We're in the business of saving lives, and I do not believe in taking a substandard Marine and just sending him off to another unit. No, he's here. We have the responsibility to train him and to make him up to our standards. Right. I think that's a great worldview. So automatically, you can't hate uh, you can't hate Jessup because it's a very sound. Uh, principle yeah but with that with that in mind that leaves so many holes for so many things to go wrong with that mentality there's so much nuance and you are still dealing with people you're not dealing with mechanics you're not dealing with like machines you make people into machines but they are still people and you need to realize that and obviously people do or it's the core wouldn't work like the service wouldn't work at all if they didn't realize okay this person is not meant for the marines there is another part of the military that this person can serve and that's something that if you get to Jessup's 
you know, base, if you're part of that base, and it's like, no, there's no other chance. It's either you're here or you die. Like that's, that's his mentality. And that's, I think like a drunken, crazy, like institutionalized <clears throat> version of himself. And he even says that when he's on the stand later, he right. goes, uh, he goes, you, you know, you curse the Marines and you weep for Santiago, but you, you don't have the luxury of knowing what I know that Santiago's death while tragic probably saved lives. Sure. And he's, he's arguing that the sacrifice of one individual benefited the many. Uh, and I, I just don't think that the, it actually had to go out that way. It's like, did it really benefit everybody because he was dead, or it could benefit people the same way if he was transferred? Well, he probably sees it as it benefits many people because we got rid of the weak one who was in right. our unit. Right. And I want to talk about like an interesting, I don't know if this is more of a writing choice or like a directorial choice, but I think the reason that a lot of people can also empathize with, um, with Jessup is because at no point in the movie are we introduced to Santiago's family? We have no backstory about him. Barely we, we, Santiago. We don't know anything about this guy. All we know is that he was a weak Marine. Right. Mm -hmm. And that the, the intention wasn't to kill him. The intention no. was to try and toughen him up, beat him up. You know what I mean? Get him to think where their heads were at. Right. And we're never subjected to any backstory from him, you know? So it's like, he's, he's almost not even a person. He's just a figure. We literally only, the only look into Santiago's character that we have is the voiceover letter. Right, the letter. That's, that's well, we, the only part that we get of Santiago. And and kind of the flashback. You well, see him, him training. You see him, sure. Get, you see him getting pushed down the hill and then you see him That's in the letter reading, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that over the, the voiceover of the letter, you get that montage But, of but what he's saying is you also see his struggle, too. Sure, you know what I mean? sure. So yeah, like, yeah, okay, I got And, you. Yeah, and yeah. visually, something that I really like, too. I mean, it, it's very simple, but they, they have an overhead shot uh, of all the Marines at uh, lunch or dinner or whatever, and Santiago's all the way at the end of the table, and they've all moved away. Isolated. So it's he's a like very, the wounded animal of Yeah, the it's pack. a very beautiful visual representation of who that guy was. Um, and sure. on top of that, whoever they cast as the actor, he he looks visually soft. He's sure. got a very soft face. He's got very soft eyes. So automatically, like, kudos to Rob Reiner for the casting and the direction of this. But like, man, you you really, in those few shots that you see, you really understand that you know, no matter what his backstory is, he was a weak character and he didn't fit into this situation. And unfortunately, this is what happened. Yeah, it is. It is one of those things where this is unfortunate, but the fact that they tried to cover it up is the wrong. The oh, fact absolutely. that they try to cover it up is the actual wrong malicious part of it. And like you see the maliciousness that comes out of uh, Kiefer's character. You see what comes out of Jessup. Uh, and I, honestly, those are the only two real malicious characters in this movie. And it's because they're put on the defensive. Right, right, You know right. what I mean? Like they, and they believe it, it, so it's hard. It's almost all reactionary. Right, they're, right, right. They're negative aspects. Yeah, because think about it. Even uh, uh, Kendrick brings it up when he's on the stand. They talk about that one Marine who got caught drinking, uh, and he's like, well, I didn't want to see his record tarnished by something so small. And then Tom Cruise is like, you decided to handle it within the unit. And he was like, yes, I did. So, you know, it, it's not unheard of that they would do something like this. It just, this one this got went a too little, far. this went too far. So, yeah, they they were reactionary. They had to kind of you know, be defensive. They even had the, uh, they brought the other witness, one of the other soldiers that came up and was like, yeah, yeah, I've had code reds on me before and I, I never fucked up again. Exactly. And, but, and he, like, okay, that's a good example of handling things within and, you know, a little bit of what someone in that position would probably call tough love, 
what or, that could do. It's like a little little ass whooping. It's like, okay, that'll whoop you right into shape if you're like the right kind of person to take that kind of lesson. And kudos to Sorkin for bringing it up in the scene with uh, when they're all having lunch with Jessup, uh, Kendrick, and Matthewson over at uh, – or Matthews over at uh, Cuba. Markinson. 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 Thank you. Sorry Matthew Markinson. Matthew Markinson. Uh, great name, by the way. Uh, but kudos <laughs> to Sorkin because he even brings that up. So, you know, Joe says to Jessup, she's saying something about the uh, order that came down from the government that said, you know, we th- we strongly encourage not to use code reds. And Jessup even says, he's like, on the record, I think they're deplorable. Off the record, I think they're invaluable to the training of the soldiers. Right, and that was a giveaway immediately that i think tom cruise picked up on oh absolutely i think that he picked up on that danny picked up on that and was like oh okay i know how i'm gonna play you and then here comes fucking joe with the spears like did you matter he's like no mm-hmm. get up fucking leave i believe that code reds still go on here yeah try that with jack nicholson in the room right <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think of like the overall like like direction of how the movie was made how the story was told how like how it was all strung together what did you guys think of everything like honestly i think this is the first movie that we'll review on the podcast that i personally think is flawless flawless um i don't and i was i think this might be the first movie on the podcast where we don't have a disagreement (laughs) Like, (laughs) like i think that this movie blends and flows so perfectly i think the story unfolds i think you know I, I think it's clear what's going on. I think after each scene, you're like, okay, so here's chronologically sure. what makes sense to happen next. And then it does that. And I think that the characters do such a great job of telling this perfect, perfect screenplay. I think everything is so, so fucking beautiful about this movie. The writing is spot on. The acting is spot on. The cinematography is spot on. Uh, the direction is spot <clears> on. <throat> you really invest in these characters. You go on an emotional journey with them. Uh, it, it's it's not overblown. It's beautifully wrapped up in a two-hour package. Even the only thing that I could maybe criticize is the score, which is very like 80s, 90s. Hallmark. It, it's very Hallmark. It's fucking Hallmark. But... I think it works. And I think it's kind of tough to critique it from when it came out. It was 1992. And that's so what I mean. You know, it's, it's definitely a, yeah, it's definitely a, a product <clears throat> of Rob Reiner in 1992. Dude, Rob Reiner's on, f- I mean, this was like his last movie. He was on fire up until then. He had Misery. He had When Sally Met Jack or When Harry Met Sally. Rob Reiner directed Misery? Yeah, he did. Wow. Yeah, he did. And fun facts, uh, when, when, uh, Kathy, when Kathy is watching the baseball game before Joe comes over, he has two copies of Misery on the shelf. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you bastard. The thing is, though, why I find it hard to critique the score, too, is because it's very consistent with Rob Reiner's work in that same period. You know sure. what I mean? Like I, American I, President, said, Stand yeah. By Me, like Princess yep. Bride. Like, that's just that's just kind of what they were doing. Right. So it's, and right. it kind of fits the piece. I feel like the do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <clears throat> I know. I know. It, it fits. And for me, I just think that it's a little... Everything about the screenplay and the story itself, I think, is perfect. I think the direction that they took it with was too hallmarky, at times overly dramatic. The the music or the, the music you're talking about the actual direction, like Rob Reiner's choices as correct, a director. You think correct. it was too hallmarky? I thought it was too hallmarky, and I think it was too over dramatic. As mo- and like I would say, that's twenty percent of like eighty percent love this movie, twenty percent like nah. So Ooh. do you have like an example? Just uh, like, you, I, I'm not looking for anything elaborate. Just, but just like a quick example of something that you think is like that stands for, out as like for TV. Yeah. Definitely the the soldiers. Definitely Dawson and Downey. 
Like their characters are so, so dramatic in how they believe. And I understand that's like what they're trying to sell. And you're trying to get the idea that these people are so into what they're doing and they believe it's so hard. It just really, at times I was like, oh my God, will you stop? Especially Dawson, mm. who is a uh, sir very very strict and when he gets into tom cruise's face i'm like oh, all right like i, I get it. it i'm almost a little too cringy um but what i do love about this movie is that there is no romance it's just like the romance of justice and storytelling it's not like there's a romance between joe and tom cruise they flirt with that idea Isn't that they almost, with it. it's almost annoying they though. flirt with it no i do love that it never much, goes through it's um, what's almost annoying it's almost annoying how much they flirt with it and how clear the like sexual tension go, is it, you know so, what I mean? it's so funny like you could take the story that way but the story is more important than that love aspect and i do really really like that about this movie but i think the window is clearly open for the fact that like after the hearing they go out Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, yeah, they, but that's I don't for think us. they try to hide that at all. But no, I, but that's for us to, but I to think, analyze and not to be put in the movie. But I think that's the strength of what the actors did. I think that's the strength of what the writing does. So it tells this courtroom drama, but then the actors give it such subtext that you're able to kind of see them as well-rounded people. Sure. Like, you actually think of them as people. Because obviously, even with that updo that Demi Moore is wearing, she's beautiful. And yeah. Tom Cruise, dude, and he's strong handsome as hell so, so like and they both and they both <laughs> so really hot. got these strong personalities <laughs> so hot he's like hansel hansel is so hot, <laughs> so, hot right <laughs> so you know you you have these two very beautiful people and they've got these very beautifully well-rounded personalities and then just to add that little bit of sexual tension in there it really does bring them as fully fleshed out characters that i think really works for this script because then at the end when she pulls them aside into the uh kind of waiting room before they put jess up on the stand and she you know <clears throat> She's, she levels with him in a very intimate way. She's like, if you don't think you can get it, don't. Don't go for it. And that reads as, yes, it's a coworker telling you that, but it's actually an intimate friend. It's a bond that you have. It's there's something. Trust there. it, there's trust there. There's something more than just a coworker telling you if you don't, like it would have been, it wouldn't have worked if it came from, uh, came from Sam Weinstein. Sure. Or Weinberg. No, it wouldn't have. Because sure. it, it, it probably would, he probably would have brushed it off. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like that. There's like not that. a single character in this movie who doesn't have substance. Even Cuba. Th that's what I mean. Every single person that's put on the stand, every person that you see has something to say. Yeah, and they're all, like, it's actors at the top of their game. I mean, <clears throat> come on. Everything we're saying about the actors, you, you gotta at least halfway attribute to the amazing script that Sorkin presented them. It was yeah, a great I, script. This is, I said that one in the group text. So I was like, this is the most well-written movie I think I've ever, and it's obviously I'm a creature of the moment, but I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, you watching are. Watching it, I'm just like, I, the flow. It, it's musical. You can tell it's a it play. Is. Oh, yeah, you can 100% sure. tell for it's sure. a play, for and that's sure. what it was written for, because just the transition in between scenes and, oh, God, just the way that the, these characters really do tell the story, because that's what it is. It's There's really nothing complex about the scenery or anything like no. that. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty cut and dry. You know, it's a courtroom. Yeah. It's a military base. It's a shitty apartment. Like, right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like, these characters, and this is heavy. You know what I mean? Like court martial for murder, like it's a sure. heavy concept. Yeah, and these characters just—they're over the top. And like even Jack Ross, uh, <clears throat> played by Kevin Bacon, like he's such a small character, but you get his relationship with Tom Cruise, and you get his relationship to the Marines, and you like him, and you like him, even yeah. though he's 
kind of reprehensible because he's representing these people that are clearly trying to do a you know make a conspiracy and subvert the law but he also he also just doesn't want to see his friend go down because he doesn't know that his friend's gonna be able to beat this this level of power yeah and he keeps warning him throughout the whole movie and i think that's in good nature which i don't think is a bad part and i I really don't think that he's a bad character as much as he is just the other person on the other side of the chessboard definitely that tom Cruise, and that's what i think that their relationship is through this whole movie is a chess game Absolutely. Well, it's a friendly game of chess. It's a friendly game of chess. With high stakes. Yeah, very high stakes. <laughs> well, that's even shown through their natural competition. You know right. what I mean? Like he's shown playing basketball. They play softball together. You right, know right. I mean? But like I do it's... believe that they are good friends. <clears throat> very, very close. Very respected, good friends. Respected very, colleagues. Yeah, too, you know? for sure. And I was actually talking to Ace about this before you got here, but one of my favorite characters is Matthew Markinson, uh, played by J.T. Walsh. Markinson's awesome. Dude, he does so much with so little. He is a fully fleshed out character. And again, I go back to Sorkin with the writing. I mean, like, again, I was telling Ace before you got here, uh, one of my favorite lines that just gives so much weight to who Markinson is, is when they go to confront Jack at the basketball court. And, you know, they're like, yeah, we're we're looking out for Markinson, even though he's gone UA. And then uh, Kevin Bacon as Jack Ross, he goes, yeah. Do you know what Markinson did for 17 of his 26 years in the Marines? Counterintelligence. Markinson's gone. There is no Markinson. Those three lines right there, oh, man, you just get this entire image of who this guy is and was. Right, 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 right. One super unfortunate thing about Markinson, though, is for someone seeing this for the first time, the foreshadowing of him gonna of him committing suicide is so apparent. It, all right, so that kind of goes <clears throat> into the overly dramatic uh, film style. And, um, what you would de- deem being hallmarky? Well, y- yeah. Before we get into that, dramatic. I I don't know about the foreshadowing. What do you mean? I don't know if I saw that. You mean the lead up? Yeah, so, n- yeah. The lead up to him. To, the lead like up to him putting the, putting the gun in his mouth. You and know he's got I mean? the colors, and he's dressing like, himself up, and he's looking he's, in the mirror. Yeah, he's just so beaten down by Jessup's character, and you can tell that he there's such an inferiority complex, even though he's trying to help, you know, like he's going to certain lengths to, to help Kathy, you know, even, even when they're at the lunch table, like you can tell that they don't necessarily see eye to eye with one another. You know? Right. But Jessup is such a domineering, commanding figure, you know, like he, he even gets in his face and talks about how, you know, we went to the Academy together, but like, I'm climbing up much quicker than you. Are. You know, and if that's I mean? like, a point of contention, not to put my I don't give a shit. As good as it gets, cock on the table, but like I'm gonna, and you're already dead at this point in real life. Let <laughs> like, me just go ahead and whack you with it. Yeah, like I just the whole time watching it, I'm like, ah, God, I'm like, I know, I know that he's gonna put a freaking handgun in his mouth and pull the trigger now did you guys buy that they were in the academy at the same time do you buy that they're the same age yeah i do oh absolutely man not for me i didn't for some reason i feel like jack nicholson's got like 10 years yeah but i attribute that i mean in 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 reality jack nicholson's such a celebrity and his actual past is so well documented you know being more of the more or less a womanizer and a partier so like i think that that characteristic in his you know actual life carries over well to this movie because you see that you know he's a man who's been through it 
uh, he's a little bit more aged than he his actual age, you know? Like, he's, sure. he's yeah. probably in his, like, what? I don't know. Was he probably in his early 50s? He was. I think movie? he was, like, 55 when this came out. And he looks like he's in his mid-60s. Yeah, and I think, for sure. And I yeah. think that, again, going back to Rob Reiner, I think that's a great casting choice. Well, first of all, Jack Nicholson's a powerhouse actor, so kudos to them. But I think yeah. that I think those are great characteristics to have for oh. the character of Colonel Jessup because this is, is a, yeah. this is a man who's been to Nam. This is a man who, you know, clearly subverts every expectation of him and just kind of does things his way. So I think to have that visual age in a younger man works for this character, especially opposed to uh, Matthew Markinson, because Markinson, again, is kind of like this good guy. He's a moral compass within the Marines, and he wants to be the good Marine. He's probably not a drinker. He's probably not a partier. You know, he's probably not aged as much because, you know, he's got a clean conscience. Sure. Hey, <laughs> that's, that's, hey, that's not bad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like to think Even though I don't think he has a clean conscience. Well, I, mean, I don't think he has a clean conscience. If you're doing, I think he's done if you're some doing shit, counterintelligence. Yeah. I mean, I think he's done and seen some shit, especially with Jessup. Sure. And I think that's why he fears him so much. And that's why he ultimately takes his own life because it's like, I can't, if, if you don't take him down, then it's kind of like over for everybody. It's just such a cowardly act though. I think that, uh, I think that Markinson's a really interesting character because he wants to do the right thing and he's given the opportunity to do the right thing. But then at the end, he takes the coward's way out or a cowardly way out in this circumstance. If he had stood trial, sure. if he had stood trial, they wouldn't have even need to, they wouldn't have needed to put Jessup on right away. You know, like he more or less would have sealed the fate of those Marines. Well, he would no, have gotten them because, exonerated. Because he still didn't have, he still didn't have the piece of evidence that they really needed to seal the case, which is somebody else in the room with Dawson, Downey, and uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Kendrick. Kendrick to confirm that he made them order a code red. Like he had just Matthews as, wasn't in the room. He but wasn't he could, in the room. But he could have testified to the phony uh, transfer order. He could have. He could have. And that would have been probably just as helpful. But he couldn't even... I don't even think so. That that's he my had point, that. though. That's but my he, point, though, because he took the coward's way out. If he had gone on trial, if he had actually gone on uh, the defense stand, but I thought there wasn't. The witness though. stand. I, I thought that there wasn't. I thought that was the that was the big thing that there weren't. Like, even when he says like, "Oh, this is Jessup's doing." Well, that that was confirmed. in relation to the tower log. Oh, okay. That was yeah. in relation to the tower log, but Matthewson was actually there when he he signed the transfer order right after, after they left Cuba. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right before they I, they got uh right before they left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or right after they left. Right after they left, and yeah, think about it. Right. Such yeah. such a decorated marine, such as uh Markinson, if right. he goes on the stand and testifies, yes. I signed a phony transfer order that would have carried weight that would have blown this case wide open. Sure. So that's what I'm arguing is that, you know, he had the chance to do the right thing and he took the coward's way out because, well, I think he took it out because he couldn't even believe that he would do that. Like, cause he, it would have been, a, it would have been a betrayal of the code, right? Huge betrayal of the code to do that. So it's, you know, I think that was the only option in his head was to check out, check it out, check it out. Sucks though. I mean, and uh, again, going back to me thinking that some of this movie was a little over dramatic. I think that was that's one of the scenes where I'm like, okay, we all we all see where this is going. Little dead poet society situation going. But <coughs> my defense of that would be uh, when Tom Cruise is drunk though, and he comes back and he goes, "You got to hand it to these Marines." No, he didn't just uh, you know shoot himself. He dressed up. 
in full gear, took a nickel-plated gun, and shot himself in the head. Right. So I would argue that it's not hallmarky because it's supported by the dialogue later. I get it. Yes, I get it. I just believe that visually seeing it <laughs> was a little hallmarky. Like, if, if you didn't see it, if you didn't see it, and the only thing that you got is like, yeah, well, Markinson's dead. The only counter... If, if you didn't see that as an audience member... The only counter to that I have is that Markinson is referred to many times and seen so little that if you didn't get the visuals of him actually committing suicide, you might have forgotten the importance of who he is. Well, all right, but you could have had everything leading up to him putting the gun in his mouth without getting the gun in his mouth. Like, if you had that whole scene and you cut it before he takes the gun out and shoots himself, and then it gets explained in dialogue later... So you really only have beef with one shot. No, I mean, this is the second one that I've explained. This is the second instance where I think it was a little bit overdramatic. Where no, I think no, that, I, in reference to this specific example. Yeah, in that one, I think that that was the overdramatic part. Was the hallmarky. Taking, taking the gun out and shooting himself in the mouth. Yeah, sure. for some reason, shooting yourself in the mouth, to me, is hallmarky. Okay, fair. <laughs> Andrew disagrees. No, I'm not, I'm honestly like I'm not arguing anything about this movie, Ben. I because I think that this movie is so good, and I think it's so easy to think of different like different things to critique, different things to analyze. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there's so much room for that in this movie. I don't think there's anything cut and dry about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, I fucking loved I everything know. about this, movie. and I like the movie too. And movies that I love, there nothing is perfect. Except that's, for there will be blood. No, they're not, and and I that's the that's the best thing about our podcast is yeah. that even in like the excitement of this movie, like I have, I'll tone it back a little bit. You know, like if if someone's gonna bring something to the table, like you think it's a little hallmarky, I completely agree with you. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I think I think in military movies sometimes, and I don't know if this is necessarily a military movie as much as it is a courtroom drama, but like it's a courtroom drama for sure. There's a military courtroom. Drama. There, there's <laughs> always gonna be a certain element of over the top you know like it's it's always going to be almost cartoony like there, there's just going to be a little bit of cliche in it sure and i get that and i don't think you're gonna i don't think you're gonna find a military movie that sticks that doesn't have that or even a courtroom <clears throat> movie to that extent you know like a time to kill has a ton of cheesiness in it the yeah. only the only courtroom drama i don't know if you guys have seen this the only courtroom drama that i wouldn't say is over the top or you know hallmarky would be uh 12 angry men I haven't seen it. I, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it though we'll move on then yeah. <laughs> but uh all right let's talk about um Kevin Polak. Oh, but he was great. I, I think fucking that... loved him. I loved... <laughs> uh, I am Colonel... Um, fuck, I keep forgetting his goddamn... Sam what? We Weinberg. Sam Weinberg. Sam Weinberg. Sam Weinberg. I have zero responsibilities here. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of great lines. Yeah. Whole movie, a lot of great lines. <laughs> yeah, like he that, was that, awesome. That, this movie has sick lines. The sickest. The yeah, sickest, so sick, dopest bro. fucking lines. Bro. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, calm down with your, with your peas, bro. This line has, has the sickest fucking lines, bro. Fucking lines, brother. But, um, yeah. I think he was great. And I honestly, I, th I think that my favorite part uh, for him was... Uh, after Tom Cruise gets drunk and he's like, would, would, would my dad put him on the stand? Nope. Mm -mm. Would you put him on the stand with the evidence that we have? Not in a million years. But the question, you know, and he says something to the effect of, yeah, but what hap what matters now is that, uh, you know, neither Lionel Caffey nor Sam Weinberg are lead counsel. So the question becomes, what would you do? I right. thought that was a great moment. Right. And it what, what I do think is kind of fucking hilarious in that it too is how he comes in piss wasted, has a freak out. Uh, I also think that him swiping the shit off the table was a little bit overdramatic. 
Get um, out of here. <laughs> him getting in Joe's face and Demi, like Demi Moore's face. And he's like, all right, calm down, Tommy. But uh, I love how he's pissed fucking drunk. And then moments later, he's driving the fucking car to get Demi Moore I thought Moore to about get that, back. too. I was like, wait a minute. Well, What's it was wrong the, with you? It was the 90s. <laughs> but back to the relevance of, the, of, of that scene. Sorry, didn't oh, I think No, I know that was all I had to say. We were talking about Sam Weinberger, Kevin Polak, and I honestly I thought that that was a very beautiful moment because you know he he's kind of the comedic foil to Tom Cruise for most of the movie for sure. Even and, though Tom Cruise is very comedic himself, and until he snaps and be, takes the case seriously, well, uh, I, when I say foil, I guess what I mean by that is that Kevin Polak grounds the comedy that Tom Cruise sure. brings. Yeah, I get that. So I think that it's really nice that once again, when Tom Cruise, you know, goes over the top with the drunkenness, uh, once again, Sam brings him back and he grounds it. Yeah, for sure. Especially when, like, he doesn't even bitch at him after he has that breakout. He Well, because he understands we literally just lost our case and now it's on you <clears throat> to fix it, to use what you have been given to fix this. So you really need to reach into your soul and figure out whether or not you can do this right now. Right. And and it's funny that that's a great way of framing it too because he even says, "You want a drink?" "Yes, I do." "Yes, I do." And he sits back and he has a has a drink off of whatever he's drinking. I think it's tequila or some shit. No, it was Jack Daniels. And I think it's is even, it Jack, Yeah, it is Jack Daniels. It is it? Jack Daniels, and I think it's actually, you know, visually it's beautiful too because you think about it at that moment, you know, Tom Cruise hands him the bottle. He says, "You want a drink?" and Sam goes, "Yes, I do." Visually He's taking away the burden. He's for a moment, yeah. He's taking away the burden, and he's kind of giving Tom Cruise a moment to really consider. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. You're yeah. right, though. I like that a lot, dude. I think that Rob Reiner did such a good job with the direction of this movie, and even at the beginning. So you, uh, you know, obviously we see the moment where uh, you know uh, Dawson and Downey kind of the very first scene is at Cuba, Guantanamo. Dawson and Downey go in, they give him the code red. And yeah. then the very next thing we see is a montage of the marching bands and the, uh, the uh, you know, I, I don't know what they call that. With the That's, rifles? Uh, the rifles? It's not ROTC. That's what they did in high school. Um, uh, the rifle squad. or it's you not, know. The, the rifle squad. <laughs> no, there, there's an actual name to it. I can't fucking remember it right now. But essentially, it's more or less... You're a, a military child. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it, and they're pretty much doing their rifle dance, but the point I, <laughs> <laughs> the if if they're out any, there with their guns and their guys, you know, <laughs> if there's anybody listening here that is super offended that we don't know, we're assholes. Um, so the point that I'm trying to make again, going back to Rob Reiner being, you know, very on the pulse with the direction of this is that he shows in a visual without any words, he shows in a very visual way that order is a theme running throughout this movie. So he visually shows these uh, soldiers flipping their guns in, in unison, very similar to how you would see uh, synchronized dancers, uh, you know, going into the pool, diving one at a time in a perfect kind of a wave. He shows this of all of these ROTC soldiers flipping the guns. And he got, he has this very beautiful montage in silence. And all you hear is the of the guns flipping up and you mm -hmm. see them all marching in order and you see the step. What, what's it called? Uh, I'm, I'm, still oh, looking. What you... I'm still looking. Hold on. I'm still looking. I'm, I'm listening to you though. No, it looked like you had, okay. I, almost, I almost got it. Just keep going because I, I just wanted to say like how cool that was to, to see. 
like how awesome it was to see that whole uh, line in complete unison. And even just the sound design of that, like as it gets closer and down the line. But think about how cool that is. I mean, are cool. you guys picking up what I'm saying? Like I do. as a I visual yeah, mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. as a visual motif to kind of hammer home <clears throat> what we're about to experience with the Marine Corps yeah. that it's all about order. It's all about following directions. You need to be in in exact unison with the core. We have law we have rules for a reason, you know, you fall out of line. People die. People die. Yeah, and I mean, literally, like literally, like we're in the business. And I think that's kind of funny too. I mean, not funny, but like ironic how the whole thing is like your objective is to protect other people, and those other people might die if you fall out of line. But in reality, you're gonna die. Well, how beautiful is that at the end when uh, Dawson says it to Downey? He goes, you know, Downey's freaking out. He's like, "We did nothing wrong. What did we do wrong? We were supposed to fight for those who couldn't fight for themselves." Yeah. It is. Honestly, it's great. Like, that's what it takes for them to realize, like, what at the core their message is and, Mm. you know, what they're actually fighting for. Absolutely. It's so, it's, it's so good. Was this your first time seeing it? No, not, this was probably my second time seeing it in its entirety, you know, like, I've Mm. seen it bits and pieces, you know, like, I'll watch, like, a little bit of it here on, it's a TNT movie. Yes, Um, it was. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shout out to TNT. Big TNT movie when we were kids. Um, But, like, to sit down and watch it in its entirety, it's been a long time. Hmm. And to really just like really sit there and appreciate it. I was I was honestly blown away. It's so good. From the first time he's on scene on camera. Who? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh my god. The scene where he's <clears throat> playing uh baseball. You just gotta keep your eye on it. Yeah, he's like, no, yeah. we need the practice. <laughs> like uh, as you can see, we need the practice. He is though. He's so good. And like the other um yeah, the other just... character comes up to there, talks to him about a previous case, and he's literally taking batting practice while answering the case. case yeah and Dude. i think that's that's just set up to show you how good he is and how talented he is it's like i don't need to come and meet you for this i could tell you this in five minutes if you want me to if you you should have called me he had a bag of oregano yeah, yeah. <laughs> well your client's dumb is it a crime to be dumb <laughs> and then i mean uh, going back to sorkin what a great way to introduce a character literally he is litigating a whole court case <clears throat> he's about to file all these motions while playing baseball he doesn't even care. It's not. It's a. Sec, it's second nature to him. He's just gonna argue this and be fine. He's a. He's. He, you know. Yeah, I. I don't know. I liked it. I like. Well, I liked him. At that, I don't know what I'm saying. I. I, I literally just chimed in and started speaking. Ace, I, I you seem a little hesitant. Yeah, what are you doing over there? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck the rifle spinning shit is, and I think it's just called rifle spinning. So like. Obviously, obviously, this is general dialogue about this movie. Right. Um, <clears throat> I know that we're we have our categories and things like that, but I kind of for this movie specifically, I don't know why. I really wanted to play this little experimental game of we're doing a game of cast it today. Whoa. Cast it today. Like I had so much fun thinking about potential options. Like since I've watched this movie, of like a few good men comes out. Because I mean, Rob Reiner's still alive, you know. Like in theory, you know, like Rob Reiner and Aaron Sorkin, they could not that they ever would or ever should, but like this movie comes out twenty twenty. I guess twenty one. I guess what I I guess my only pause is how do you recast Nicholson? Um, How do you recast Nicholson? I had ideas. Okay, what do you got? I had ideas, but here's the thing too: they're never going to be better than that. You know well, that's I mean? the like, thing. It's like, like you're a perfect cast. Well, I think that I, I honestly do think that, like, when I broke it down, I came up with good. I don't even necessarily know if they're feasible options. Okay. But, but I think if you're in Hollywood and you saw that this movie was being remade today, 
who wouldn't want to be in it? You know what I mean? So like I went with options that I felt were realistic, but at the same time, there might be a couple that like they might not take them at this point in their career. Sure. What do you got? Um, okay. So I'll start from the top and you you guys might not like this first one, but I think charisma wise and, and where he's at in his career, it would be perfect for Danny Caffey. I picked Chris Pine. Chris Pine, huh? Chris Pine, yeah. Yeah, all right. I could see Chris Pine doing it. I would say I I totally agree with you, but it would have, it would have had to have been Chris Pine right at Guardians of the Galaxy one. No, no, no. That's Chris Pratt. Oh, that's Chris Pratt. Chris Pine is Star Trek. Star oh. Trek remake. Chris Pine. Chris yes, Pine. Thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. Ooh, mm-hmm. no, I disagree. I would cast Chris Pratt. Right, okay, okay, right yeah. around Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I, I saw Chris Pine. Well. I just kind of see his pretty boy, like you know, sure. like frat boy. Sure. Like sure. that's why I is pick- he funny though? He is funny, actually. Have you ever seen This Means War with him, Reese no. Witherspoon, and Tom Hardy? No. Chris Pine is funny. Chris Pine can do that. You okay. Know? Like he, and he has that charisma. I've only seen him in like more dramatic roles, so um, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Nathan Jessup. I went with Hugh Jackman. Mm. Hugh Jackman has that grit. He's got that like I he's just got think the he age could, on like, him. The, now yeah, and he's too. got the age. I just he's think got the he age could pull that off. He's definitely got the grit. I don't know about the charisma though. I think he yeah, could pull it off. Like, oh, Jack- come on. J- Prisoners, Hugh Jackman is like come on. convincing. You would say charisma in that role though? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, he definitely holds it's it. dark, but I think charisma, absolutely. Well, charisma. I mean, he's definitely got more charisma and um charisma. the prestige. Even the prestige though, like, yeah, like he, you know, greatest showman. It's a musical, but like the he's he's diverse, you know, like he's oh, done things. Um I could see you doing it. Captain Ross, I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. Cool. To play the Kevin Bacon role. I could dig that. I, I could think dig he that. He has the demeanor, the persona sure. it, to compliment it, well, that. Hold on, you could dig that, Ace. Wasn't it you who hates on everything Gyllenhaal does? Try Andrew. No, that was me. Oh, that was you. That was me. But I will never knock Jake Gyllenhaal's acting credentials. I just don't love the movies he's in. Okay, you know, like fair, just, that's fair. I'm sorry I attacked you. This no, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, no, Ace loves him. Um, yeah, you son of a I, bitch. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Sam Weinberg, Paul Rudd. Oh no! Come no, on, no man. Hear no. me out. Hear me out. I'll right, hear you well, out. Hear me, defend hear yourself. Out. Paul Rudd does comedy really well, but Paul Rudd can also take serious and he can take nurturing which i think sam weinberg's role is actually nurturing okay and paul rudd can do that pretty well i don't know if you ever saw perks of being a wallflower i have not no uh paul rudd plays a max arsini type sure and he's actually really awesome in it so like as Hmm. soon as i was thinking that i was like well kevin pollock is a stand-up comedian history of comedy you know what i mean but has taken his shot like he's taking some action roles you know what i mean and even paul rudd you know he's taking some action roles well i here's where i would come to your defense Paul Rudd's so versatile. He is. You know, you can throw him in anything and people like him too. People love which is a, him. That's a huge that's factor true. for that role. That's I was true. like, you know what? I, like Paul, and he would be a little bit older than the Chris Pine role, you know? So it was, it, it just, fit, it, I felt like it blended. All right. You might've sold me on Paul Rudd. Um, Jonathan might've. Kendrick, the Kiefer Sutherland role. Yeah. Who do you got? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Yes. Ten, man. I think just the the grit and how serious he could play that role. I would support that. I think 100%. he would be really, really great. And and I think he's at that point in his career where it's like people are going to respect him enough to give him legitimate roles. But like, Honestly, unless it's like an art house film, he's not really first build anymore. Well, I was about to say, I think he's doing legitimate roles. I just think that he burned so many bridges in Hollywood. Like, yeah, I probably. Hope, I want him to build those bridges back up because he's such a force to be reckoned with. He's really, really good. So imagine him in a studio film where he's like, people are like, oh yeah, he's in that. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think... That, well, that's, I, how, that's how it was with Fury for me. The reason I saw Fury was because Shia and John Bernthal were in He it. stole sure. that movie. He stole that movie. Him and, and Logan he, Lerman. I love that kid in And that he movie. played such a quiet character, too, mm-hmm. but he played it with such intensity. He reminded me of John Cazale as Fredo or mm-hmm. John Cazale as uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Who did he play? Um, just John Cazale. <laughs> just I, John I Cazale. I can't remember what his name is in Dog Day. Oh, I forget I what, what his talking name about. is, Sa- Sal. Sal, that's Sal. right, Sal. Yes. Oh shit. Yep. Um, Joanne Galloway, Natalie Portman. Oh sure, man. yeah. You know, like, that's a good point. That's a good. You've thought about this. I really yeah. did. I had like, four, I, especially because she's the only real female lead. I had like four different girls in there. She <laughs> might. She might be too old now. She might, but like she's she in her forty. So, so Demi Moore was actually only thirty when this was made. So was Tom Cruise. They're Natalie more, Portman looks young though. She I does, mean, and that's why I was fair, like, you know what, she could enough. maybe do it. Um. I, mean, I don't think anything that she does is wrong. Right. But. Markinson, Josh Brolin. Oh, that'd be great. Matthew mm, Markinson. I can see Josh awesome. Brolin. My, uh, I want to counter that. The only counter I would have is that Brolin has such a swagger. That dude walks in a room with his dick hanging. And Markinson is quiet reserve. Brolin can play soft spoken, though. Uh, can you Can you back that up? I can, and I was thinking about it the other day. Let me, exam- let me ask you guys this. Who I could have? Paul Dano play in the movie? Where could Paul Dano fall in he could A play, Few Good Men? He could play... Uh, uh, Downey? Downey. You think he could be a good Downey? So I don't think he could. I don't think he could, and I have my characters for I Downey. Think he'd Give be. me a minute. <laughs> We're getting I think, there. I think that Paul Dano would be a better um, Kendrick. Paul, yeah, no, no, not as Kendrick. I think Paul Dano. Paul Dano's not believable. Paul Dano's not believable yeah. in military. I'm sorry. When no. was Paul Dano in military? He's too wiry. What? When was Paul Dano in military? He wasn't. Yeah. All right. So how do you know if he's fucking believable enough? <laughs> he's not. <laughs> fair. Fair. I'll give you that. But I don't. All right. Stop doubting Paul Dano. Here's the thing, though. With Kendrick, though, I think that you need to bring a level of, uh, like, he Kendrick's an animal. Kendrick is like a fucking uh, honey badger. You know, like he's yeah, got that intensity. And yeah, I, don't I agree. Think, and I think I don't if think... you put 25, 35 pounds of muscle on Paul Dano and you fucking shape him up, that's I think not that you something, got him. That's not something Paul Dano's going to do. Milk and W are my examples for Josh Brolin. For Brolin. Nah, I feel like those aren't good because he played. He, uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to get in your face about this, but when W W the characteristics of George W. Bush in that movie was of a college frat dude turned president. So there was the swagger that turned a little bit humble. With Milk, that was a character so repressed by his own insecurities that he he kind of you know. How's that any different from Arkansas? Mm, fair. Okay. Fair. Who did I just had? I just had an idea from Arkansas, and I was like, I would me. entertain oh, Brolin. I would entertain. So like, Brolin. so like, we're sitting here, right? And we're making this, and Brolin comes into audition. You're uh, not. I'm gonna give it. You're to him. not like. You're not like. No, you can't. You can't have a Josh because no, you're swagger. You need I'm to sorry. go away. Too much swagger. <laughs> um, and then the last two that I cast you're were so Downey and Dawson. Yeah, who do you got for Downey and Dawson? For Downey, I got Will Poulter. Who's Will Poulter? From like We're the Millers and like Midsummer and he. Oh was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for Dawson, I got Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, he's um, from Get Out. Oh, nice, nice. I know, I know who he's talking oh, about. Oh, kind of the psycho guy, the son. No, no, no he's black. Yes, from uh, he was in the Black Mirror episode, and he's in oh, Judas he's and the, the Black Messiah. Guy. Yeah, he's, he's the lead guy. Yeah, he's the lead guy. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. He, yeah, I, I think of it when I think. Of, I know this is so stupid. Everybody thinks of him from Get Out. I think of him from uh, uh, Sicario. 
Yeah, he's in oh, that yeah, too. Yeah, totally. Yep, he was right. so fucking good in Sicario. He's in uh, Widows too, which is uh, not a lot of people saw it, but that was a sick movie. That's with Elizabeth Moss, right? Uh, no, Widows is with um Liam Neeson and like Viola Davis. I'm pretty sure Elizabeth Moss is in it. I don't think so. I don't remember the girl Elizabeth from Mad Men yeah, and uh, from Handmaid's Tale. No, I don't think she's in it, and I've seen it, but I don't think she's in it. I think she could also. She's if, not in it. If if Natalie <laughs> Portman not, didn't play not. Joe, I would I would recommend uh she's not pretty enough though it, you don't Who need to be pretty, pretty. you don't need to be i think she's beautiful Who's not pretty enough? elizabeth moss no you need to have like a certain face you don't need to that's just how they cast rob reiner cast it that and way. it was perfect yeah it, it was, was really good it was it don't was get really, me wrong really elizabeth moss wrong. is beautiful but her, elizabeth moss is beautiful and demi moore's are very different no you're absolutely right but I, I, the only defense i'll say is you haven't seen the full uh show of mad men and Elizabeth Moss oh. can carry herself sexually as well as competently within a masculine world, which is two qualities I think you that Joe has. Yeah. So that's why I would come to the bat for Elizabeth Moss. You that, know who could do it? Fucking Anna Taylor. Yeah. That was um that was my little experiment. That was fun. Yeah, I, I had fun doing it. I don't I know you did. I thought about it all week. <laughs> Anya and Taylor, you know how much sorry. I struggled to not put Leo somewhere in this movie? <laughs> in my head, I was like, well, I could write a new character for, <laughs> for Leo. We at, could at recast one point, I thought it. of Jessup, and I was like, ah, Leo could do it. And then I was like, Honestly, in about 15, 25 years, if he keeps up his lifestyle, I think that he couldn't play Jessup. He's 50 already. What do you mean in 15, yeah. 20 years? Like, Leo? Leo's, Leo's in 50? He's like in his 50s already. He doesn't already. look like a terrible 50, though. No, he, he doesn't. Doesn't look like a terrible fifty. He's in wicked good shape in some of his movies, but then in the off season, he likes fat as fuck. He likes to put on a little belly and a beard. (laughs) Good for him though. He's living that Jack Nicholson lifestyle. Yeah, that was uh, that was my little uh, experiment with this movie. Do we have anything else to touch on on a few good men when it comes to like general discussion? Is there anything else that you want to get into or what? I think the last thing that I would like to touch on, like we kind of skated around it. It's been brought up a few times, but I really do. I want to I want to harp on the fact that this script is beautiful it is a very good script sorkin absolutely killed it like i think um he really just kind of came out the gate swinging with this very beautiful musical style i mean there's almost a lyricism to the way that this dialogue unfolds Uh, for sure and i think that goes with like any sorkin script is the way that he writes is symphonic i mean we watched that breakdown uh, a couple months ago on how like his repetition of words Oh yeah, like you, you, oh, you always hear that, and like that makes it really appealing to listen to. It's like constant reaffirmation as to where you are in the conversation. Yeah, I, I, sorry, we can keep it as simple as that, but I really did want to give like a firm, like we're talking about Sorkin shout out, right? And yeah, Sorkin's the man. Speaking of Sorkin, I'm just coming across this now. You know how NBC has produced like Hairspray Live and things like that? They're doing a few Good Men live. Really? No music. NBC is doing it. Like, Who's the cast? Uh, Sor- they don't have a cast yet, but like Sorkin's on it with Scott Ellis directing. You got it. Paul Rudd. You got <laughs> I just Natalie gave Portman. You, you got Josh Brolin. Got I Josh literally Brolin. just gave you the cast. Like that's Chris it. Pine. No, no, I just cast it actually. Yeah. <laughs> Has Aaron Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin hasn't taken a hit with a single thing he's written. No, uh, like there's not I a single. Know. I'm I'm looking at it now. Molly's I, game was a hit. Uh, the West Wing was a hit. Few Good Men, Social Network, Steve Jobs, Moneyball, Charlie Wilson's. Oh War. my god, dude! Steve Jobs. 
honestly, I put like Few Good Men and Steve Jobs right in the same category. It's very, uh, you know, whereas whereas Few Good Men is a courtroom drama, it takes place in very limited locations. Same thing with Steve Jobs. It takes place in a very tight, uh, kind of a pressure cooker of a situation. Sure. And it just deals with characters, 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 characters. Oh man, dude, well, that's that's, that's, that's a Sorkin, musical. Movie. That's a Sorkin script. In Actors general. love working with Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, it's all you know, about It's like characters. you look at every one of his movies, it's like, oh man, look who he got. You yeah, know, like, dude. I'm, I I haven't seen Molly's Game, but I've heard nothing. It is good. Molly's Game is really great. fucking good. Great movie, dude. Yeah? Great, great movie. I love it. Didn't Jessica even realize Chastain. that was Sorkin. The two and a half hour runtime gave me pause. It's it tough. Really oh, needs to be, it really needs to be a good movie. It grabs you, though. Like yeah. it's, it's very convincing. It's, it's, it's Vegas. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of it in Vegas. You know, it's very like... It's Jessica Chastain, though. She's good. She's good. I'm not a huge fan of her. I think that she's done some good work. It's different. It's a different role of hers. It's not like her typical role. She's she's badass in this movie. I think she's badass in general. I just think that she's hit or miss for me. So that gives me pause. But correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Idris Elba in it? Yeah. So I should probably just take the leap. And, um... He made he yeah. made the West Wing. Yeah. He wrote the West Wing and the newsroom. Well, he stopped doing the West Wing after uh, season, season four. five. Season four. He hasn't four? seen anything five and on. Even so, I mean that's a but good. But still, body he work. established himself, and goddamn, goddamn, if the newsroom wasn't great, season one and two, season three season, kind of went off the dude, way. The, the news. See, and that's that's the Sorkin that I know. Like the first, I the think, newsroom. is the newsroom. Uh, fucking a few good men, Social Network. Um, there are probably like other ones that Social Network is like my that. favorite of his. I well, it's this the Fincher. few good men's mine, but it, Social Network is a close second. Well, because God it's damn. teamed up with Fincher. So well, <laughs> yeah, don't even get like, me started. Come on, man! Like I'm you gonna, team the two up, and it's like that's a match made in heaven. And the old, go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and just do a quick uh, segue to anybody that's listening. Mank, directed by David Fincher, just yeah, got released. It? No, I'm watching it. Uh, hopefully, sometime either tomorrow or Sunday. I'm hoping this Sunday I'm gonna do work half the day, and then you know I'll spend the day watching Mank over and Mank. over again. The only thing Sorkin's working on right now is a biography about Lucille Ball. As cool. as a book or as like a movie? Cool. no as a screenplay. Oh shit! Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's actually a really fascinating story. I don't know if you know much about Lucille Ball, but she was essentially one of the first females to like really take the film industry by the balls. She pretty much dictated how <clears throat> I Love Lucy was going to be made. Huh? Yeah. Her no and Des- her and Desi Arnaz they pretty much formed their own production company so that she could more or less have creative control. Cool. Yeah. And she was one of the first, uh, if correct, uh, I wish somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. I know you guys don't know this and I think I might be stretching, but she was one of the first females in the TV industry to, uh, showcase pregnancy. Um, I know that sounds, I'm not exactly sure how to look that up. I'm not, I, I, I know that sounds so antiquated, but, um, they pretty much like they they worked pregnancy into the writing and then they kind of went through that as a storyline. Interesting. Yeah, dude, she was a pioneer. I really, uh, damn, I, I'm excited for that. If Sorkin has anything to do with Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, I'm fucking in. You know, that reminds me a lot of A Few Good Men. In what way? <laughs> that we should get back to it. <laughs> um, uh, I, did, I, did, I did want to, uh, I did want to. That was make, good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I wanted to, uh, just because we haven't touched on it, and this is the most, uh, I think, impactful and you know, historically remembered scene of the movie is the you can't handle the truth scene. Mm. Like, let's just go over how brilliant that was where Tom Cruise really comes in and he knows how to play this character. And when you when 
even when Nicholson comes into the courtroom, it's got that upshot and you know, like, here is the force. Here is the thing you need to beat. Like, this is going to be the biggest challenge. I love that. Uh, again, kudos to Rob Reiner. Great direction. For when, sure. And I was, I've always thought about that ever since I saw it when I was a little kid. I was like, the door's just open for him. Right. And, and it, but it's so weird because that's, I don't know if that's how it works in a courtroom. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Like, I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> in the court already and they're yeah. not just introduced and they have an entrance and like their theme music plays and the fireworks <laughs> go off. <laughs> the women are taking their shirts off and all of a sudden people, people have signs in the jury. Apparently, Jackie, Kev Jackie. Apparently, Kevin Polak's uh, mother was in the audience. She was one of the background extras. And oh, that's she, awesome. And that's awesome. And apparently, she hit on Jack Nicholson. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's wicked funny dude so i i agree man well i don't know if i agree i don't know if you made a point that i'm agreeing with but i just think that that fucking scene is the scene's brilliant man and like and that's not even as much as i have comments on some things are overly dramatic in this movie i don't think that that scene is overly dramatic even with the yelling even that scene with, works for you that scene totally works for me that is perfect because we were just watching it before we uh, started recording i made him watch it i made him rewatch it like three or four yeah, times yeah we, we watched the whole thing like three or four times and just the way that it crescendos into intensity and when tom cruise like lowers his voice and really drills it into him and looks at him and says, I fucking have you. I know who you are. I know how to play you. I know how big your ego is. I know what's going to make you slip up. I know that you want to tell everyone that you've, that you did this thing. Yeah. And you're so, so full of your own self-righteousness that you don't even know that it's illegal. Like, you're not even aware that this oh, is Oh, I think get he you. knows it's illegal. I think he knows it's illegal, well, but he well, doesn't he give look, a fuck. Well, when he looks like, I'm being charged with a crime. Well, because he thinks because of his rank, crime. he has immunity. Right, right, right. And he's like, no, you don't. You are not above the law. And I think that's something that is very dangerous with Jack Nicholson's uh, character here, is that he believes so much in what he's doing that he is above the law. Well, and I think that's why, like... With the even with the dramatics of the scene, I don't think you could play it any differently. No, I know? agree. Like, I agree. It, with that scene, you can't. Right. The scene has to be over the top. It has to be in your face. And then just when you see Kathy's face when when he says he's when he's like, You're goddamn when you're goddamn right I did, you know, he's yeah. just like You snotty bastard. Yeah, well, yeah, he knows. He knows too. It's like, oh, you son of a bitch. You really did like word it just right. One thing that, and you said it, like, this is all perfect, and the only line that wasn't perfect was, uh, what was it, you don't need to... You don't have to have a badge of honor. Uh, you don't have to have a badge to have honor. I feel like that's a nice line. What I think Well, it sums is, up the movie perfectly. I, I agree. I agree. What I think is the cheesiest line, and I'm... And you, you could be right that Sorkin did write this into the script. It's, uh, I'm a... I'm a U.S. court martial or of the U.S. Navy, and oh. you're under arrest. You son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! The you son of a bitch line. Did you need to have the you son of a bitch line? I think it. I think it was that just it, like the cherry on top of like. I just, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I know, but I really just think that in that moment to really deliver it, if you just said, "And now you're under arrest," if you just left it there instead of being like, "You son of a bitch," like it's the fucking villain. But like at the he end was of a the horror villain, movie, but, I'm, but at the the villain at the end of a horror movie, it's not like I'm gonna side with Ace here because there there really wasn't. I mean, they had only had one prior interaction with each other. It's not like there's this history of animosity with each other, right? For him to have this like 
pent up resentment yeah, towards him. But like hold just, on, the line that he delivers to Kathy when they about his have, faggoty white uniform. I, mean, yeah. I want you, I want <laughs> I you to stand it. there in your faggoty white uniform and with your Harvard mouth extend me some fucking courtesy. That is a heavy line to deliver. I it agree. is, but even still, someone with with Kathy's pizzazz, you know, someone with his confidence, he's not gonna let that really fucking ruin his. No, no, it no. did that. They linger on that close up, dude. And they he, lingered. They lingered. He leaves. You know, he, he, yeah, then he it's leaves, not, and it's just a, you have to ask me nicely. Well, yeah. I think it. I think it only lingers because there's a there's a true piece of Jessup's character that is revealed in that. Like, there's a real piece of his oh, character that's revealed, it. and and I think that Kathy gets it as well. Like, as the lawyer who needs to make this case, he's like, "This is that's a very big tell." You just gave me a really big piece of you. And I thought, uh, uh, regarding to the whites, I do love that Sam was like, uh, I think we should go with the whites. He's like, I really fucking hate the whites. He's like, <laughs> no, I go with the whites. And then they get there. He's like, I want to keep your shit closed. They might uh, shoot at anything that moves that, that looks so uh, You're so going to want some camo. <laughs> yeah, you're going to want some camo. And then when they're, and this reminds me of Jim Carrey as well. He's, uh, when they're driving in the Jeep, whites. Great idea! <laughs> I think that, honestly, I think that if you made this movie again in 1992, you could have casted Jim Carrey. No! I think so. I fucking think so, man. I think that you could have casted Jim Carrey and given him a shot to blend. Because in a way, he kind of has like a liar, liar thing going on, except without the liar, liar script. Here's, here's what I would... He's a little... Here's he's, what I would say against that, though, is that at the time and with the context of what Jim Carrey was doing, he didn't have that emotional range. You expected him to be the slapstick. Tom Cruise, however, had made his career on giving emotional performances. Do you think Tom Cruise pulled from Jim Carrey? No, I do not. <laughs> I, I am kind of baffled that you keep bringing him up. I don't know how how it, it, it's he's so reminiscent of Jim Carrey. You saw charisma like that from Cruz though in previous movies. Sure, you know which is sure. why it's like you know. I mean, you even saw that in The Outsiders, which I'm pretty sure was one of his first. It was, it was, like, like and he had like movie, 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah, like, what did you really see? <laughs> My favorite piece of dialogue in this movie is between Ross, Corporal Barnes, and Caffey. Oh. What is it? When they're in the courtroom and he's doing the um the Marine outline for recruit training and Ross is like going over like everything that's in the book. He's like, have you read it? He's like, um, can you point to the chapter where this deals with code reds? Yes. And he's like, it doesn't. And then Kathy gets up as soon as his line and of questioning is done, out of slaps hand. the book and he goes, can you show me where the mess hall is in this book? And he's like, that's not in the book, sir. And he's like, you mean to tell me in all your time at Gitmo, you never had a meal? <laughs> no, sir. Three squares a day, sir. And he's yeah. like, so how did you know where the where the mess hall was if it wasn't in the book? And he's like, I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time, sir. He goes, no further questions. I do, perfect yeah. way to end Gold. that, too. Gold. Follow the crowd at chow time. That is a perfect representation as to why people are following orders and they follow where the, you know, where things are going. Like, we are followers. We are not leaders. And mm. they pan to Ross and he just chuckles. He's like, that was good. Good move. <laughs> going good back, move. going. And he back. says it at the bar that night. He goes, "Great work with Barnes today, yeah, <laughs> dude." And going back to that very same scene again, uh, Kathy and Ross. My favorite line is, "You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack." Like he, like he, he has he nothing it. to say. He has nothing to say because you got bullied into that courtroom, Danny. 
You got bullied into the courtroom by me. Shit, I practically dared you to do it. You got bullied into that courtroom by the memory of a dead lawyer. You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. He's got nothing. Yeah, he's yeah. Got he nothing. really doesn't have shit. He's got the beer in his hand, and you see him kind of hesitate with his hand. He has no idea what to say. But <laughs> and you, even got, you even got Kevin Bacon with his hands up like, buddy, you just come on. Your boys are going down, Danny. There's Sit nothing down. I can do to stop that this time. I told you. All right, boys. Yeah, what do you think? We wrapping up uh, Generals? Yeah, I think generals, I'm good. I'm cool. good on generals. All right. Genitals. Genitals. Genitalia. <laughs> Genital Riesling. Show me your genitals. Show me your genitals. Show it, Mr. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think this is a very obvious. Uh, <laughs> good Dick and Jane reference. Mr. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> What that are you good. doing with the television? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we... <laughs> stupid, what are... stupid question, but did it work? Get out of here. Next question. It did and it does. <laughs> it did and it does. Are you? you know, no. Movie or, movie or film, boys? Movie yourself. It's a, I think it's a film. Oh, 100%. Film, film, film. I think the writing is definitely. I, I'm with I, it. I think film. that makes it a film. You know, it's a film. You Thea agree? You I agree. agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. It's a film. Theater or on demand? Theater with this cast. Yeah, Jack Nicholson, Tom cast. Cruise. It's going to theater. If it came out today, because you can't make it with everybody. <laughs> I don't who's know. In it after today. Jack Nicholson's last movie, <laughs> can't make it. We don't count that movie. If you made it today, if it's coming out in 2020, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> we we don't count that we do movie. Count that movie. No, we don't. His last movie was The Departed, and that's that. No, and Tom Cruise doesn't make movies that go to on demand. Uh, excuse me. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I I thought you were gonna say Tom Cruise doesn't make. movies. No, I'm yeah. saying like yeah, he doesn't make movies that go to on demand. But yeah, it's a theater movie. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Your worst potential argument. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Kevin Pollock. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> guys, you guys, guys. I mean, don't make me be the answer. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think that this goes on demand. I think this goes on demand. Defend yourself, Sorkin, Sorkin, Nicholson, Cruz. As I'm saying it, it's like I don't even know how to defend myself. Sorkin, really I'm don't. gonna, I'm gonna kill your argument right now. Sorkin, Nicholson, Cruz. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, Father, how do you? Son, Holy Ghost. Oh, it's Jesus, just what buddy. you're thinking. Yeah, it is just what I'm thinking. But yeah, <laughs> it it probably does go to theater every single time. But I wouldn't be surprised if I saw this on you know demand. That would be due to Rob Reiner. Yeah, maybe. But again, I got Don't no give me that look. What I got did Rob no Reiner come out with recently that you want to no see I got no valid reasons as to why it's not in theater. No, no, he was in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he didn't do anything with the direction of it. Other <laughs> he had than, one good other than scene. who Mad Max was. I don't think he's directed anything though in a while. He has some movies on there. I was looking it up earlier. Uh, none of them I really recognized or cared about. Um, let me pull that tab up. Uh, oh, something we didn't touch on. Hold on. I'm going to just quickly direct back to the general discussion. Then we're going to veer out of it. All right. What do you got? Do you know who's the cinematographer on this? Um, no. Robert Richardson. Really? Yes. Interesting. Scorsese, Tarantino. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Based yeah, on dude. Like, how this is filmed. Ooh, well, I don't know. Again, the way it was filmed is one thing, but I'm, I'm when I think of Rob Richardson, I think of Jesus, the lighting. Come on, tell me the lighting in that movie wasn't spot on. I mean, it was all it was all pretty much filmed brightly. 
during the daytime. Yeah, except for, for the, the night, most part, except for the night scenes and the rain. I I don't know. I mean, I, the one night scene in the rain. What are you What are you cringing about? All of Rob Reiner's movies recently. Maybe this <laughs> is going on to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Again, Sorkin, Nicholson, Cruz. That's the other thing too. Sorkin, Sorkin, that has to. Sorkin's you know, not going. Well, Sorkin might not go to. He might go to HBO or Netflix. Well, like, yeah, is that are, all right? Are, so, is that demand or is that is that a theater, a home box office versus the box well, office? I think talk to me, I dog. Think those what are different credentials. Like, Don't I think, talk to you him. know, like like Mank, like like Mank just came on Netflix. Well, you know I guess I mean? that's like, the, the thing. Do we have to take into consideration that the new going to theater would be Netflix or HBO? Um, no, because those are technically on demand. Yeah, but the, I, I guess when I say, when I've always considered what Fucking I mean, parameters again. We're getting back to no, these no, fucking I parameters. Think, I think this is worth uh, exploring because when I've when we've been discussing whether it goes to theater or on demand, mm-hmm. I generally think like, you know, everybody wants to see it versus they can see it. But like, if it's going to HBO or if it's going to Netflix, people want to see it. For sure. For sure. Thoughts? I think that the, I, I agree with you. I think that the experience of going to the theater is slowly leaving everybody's excitement. Unfortunately, they're not going to be around. Like, <laughs> fuck yourself, Andrew. I mean, don't the, take the theater away, listen, man. I'm I don't gonna, want to. They I'm, took the fucking video rental stores, and now they're taking the theater. What's next? What do you? What mor- is next, what man? Are you, what are you still in mourning over Blockbuster? Yes, <laughs> and Hollywood. It's cyclical. Like flip phones are coming back out now, so pretty soon <laughs> oh, someone's so, going to uh, open a movie. Rent store and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna clean up they're gonna make a killing yeah. well hold on uh quick funny story uh when i used to deliver pizza for uh nino's and down the street from there on plainfield pike there was a video rental store that just they just opened up and me and well doe went there a couple times i never actually stepped in but i, I every time i drove by i was like oh man please succeed like please succeed. Should have stopped in. He's like that he lasted for three days. And then <laughs> Honestly, dude, it was like a month and a half, two months, and then they were done. It's like, lazy. Fuck, fuck, that sucked. Especially when you give him something like Netflix. Like no, no one's going to the store to. That's rent what I'm the saying. Movie. When you can binge watch like four different movies in one night, why are you going to go to Redbox? Or I know. Why are you gonna go I to... know. I just not. wish that the culture. <laughs> I just wish that the culture could come back. I do too. And honestly, I I do I know you were joking to a certain extent, but I do really agree with you. I think that No, I'm dead serious. Flip phones are coming back out. <laughs> Fuck yourself. I'm talking about No, no, I'm talking about theater. I think that in 5-10 years going to the theater is going to become an event again and it's going to be something hope so. I I hope so too because honestly, I we grew up in the movie. They theater. should limit Fucking what comes right, out dude. to theaters. Well, well, what they should do is they sh- they should make it exclusive for theater releases. But that's what I'm saying, like limit which, exactly which it what's is, coming though, out. But to... what does come to theater is exclusive to theater, and it's not doesn't go to. No, that's not true. There's Mank still had like Mank had a limited theater release. So did The Irishman. Uh, there's it, still like twelve movies at a time that are in theaters, though, and like well, nine of them you haven't heard of. It's, it's probably like, yeah, it's probably more. Uh, like you were saying, it has a limited release, and it gets what a month, maybe. And they're crapping out Catherine Heigl's chick. Maybe a, maybe a week before it gets. Uh, we hate you on this pod. Yeah, Catherine Heigl is not going to get any love on this pod. I'm not going to. Uh, You're going to come to Catherine Heigl's defense? No, but I'm not going to hop on this because y'all are hopping on it. I don't have an opinion about Catherine. Is Heigl. it Valentine that does it for you? No. Yeah, what what about Catherine Heigl do you like? It's my lack of Catherine Heigl. Because <laughs> I don't know a lot of Catherine Heigl. I know Heigl. everything there is to know about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next? Uh, what is next? 
after that. Oh, we will see about that. About uh, that. Who stole? See. Who stole this movie? That's a really good question. Uh, stealing, I would say Kevin Bacon. Uh, does John? Uh, Jack Ross? Okay, what do you think? Is that within the parameters? Yeah, yes, it I'm is. asking. It's it's it's, it's not. It's, hold on. No, no, I, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not hopping down your throat. It's an yeah. ensemble piece. I would argue that everybody carries their weight, but Jack Ross is not the main character. He's not a main character. I would argue that the main characters are sixfold. It would be Sam. It would be Tom. It would be uh, Demi. Uh, Jack Nicholson. It would be uh, Kiefer Sutherland and the Judge. Um. I disagree with that a lot. <laughs> I disagree with a lot of that. What do you disagree with that? <laughs> There's only one that you can disagree with. There's only one of those that you could disagree with, Is and I was joking about the judge. You like, keep shoo, 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 shoo. It's a suck, asshole. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you because I think Kevin Bacon is so good in this movie. I just think we're all still so on such different levels of who can qualify. That's all I think. Okay, so then maybe Cuba. Uh, like no, that's a complimentary part. You know yeah, what I mean? But like he didn't, in my head, but like, he, didn't he didn't steal the movie. Steal the movie. There's like, nothing memorable about Cuba in this movie other than the fact that Cuba is in this well, movie. Well, that's why I was so like <laughs> I was gonna say Noah Wiley's character, the the Corporal Barnes, because I think that little three minutes of dialogue is so fucking good. I guess I what I'm that. getting hung up on good. is steel. Um. Yeah. Fair enough. That that's fair. I honestly think that it's it, it's Kevin Pollock. That Maybe the whole category needs to be reworked. I yeah, think yeah, we, we really need to consider the parameters. We might need to consider the parameters of a pizza. But uh, like I can't believe you argued Coleman Reese stole the darn night. That's. <laughs> I think that was me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> at first, I was just gonna scream at you, but, but then I was like, Wait, I, don't, "I don't think I did." That. <laughs> Which one of you argued that it was Coleman Reese? Men I I from might... Greece. <laughs> I think that was me. So I don't. I think. I think steal the movie. Because <laughs> I think. I think it's fair to say Kevin Bacon stole the movie, but I. He had so, some great lines. So I want here we go. I'm gonna give a shout out to Bill Simmons here and the the Ringers podcast of the Rewatchables, which obviously you know is like a huge huge you inspiration for me. They have this, and it comes back to sports too. They have this thing in their movies. It's called the Heat Check Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's yeah. like the, it's called the Dion Waiters Heat Check Award. He's right, a basketball right, right, player right, right. who comes in for two minutes and can put up twelve points in two minutes. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. It's like who has the least amount of time to work with, but kind of like leaves like an impact. You know what I mean? Like who comes in and gets that two minutes of fame? You remember it. It's good, and then that's it. Two minutes? That's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. Don't, don't harp on the time. <laughs> it's, it's broad. It's general. But like that's why like Noah Wiley to me is like a good example. That's why like Goodwill Hunting Casey Affleck was the perfect example. Yeah, Casey Affleck true. had like eight minutes of screen time to work right. with, and all eight of those minutes, I was like, oh. Ethan Supley is also a great uh, Remember the Titans, Ethan Supley. Yeah, like, that's all right. So let's go ahead and experiment with that one for a minute. I would argue Kiefer. He has mm. very limited screen time. I, you know what? That is not a terrible contender. That's not a terrible contender. Kiefer kills it, man. Uh, every time he's on screen, which is limited, he kills. I want to say it's only three scenes. He's in the scene where he's given the tour. He's in the scene with Jessup at the lunch table. And then he's in the scene where he's in the courtroom. 
and uh, and, um, and, and, and in the, the scene with Markinson and, and um, in the office. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. four scenes. So four scenes, probably totally ten minutes, and sure. I would argue two of those scenes he doesn't speak. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's one one scene, but it's a long scene. That's a that's a fine contender. That is a fine contender for who stole a few good men. I also I just think that Kevin Pollock is Kevin Olak. Pollock's great, but he's in all of it. He he's in a lot of it, but I don't know if he's billed. I don't know if they bill Kevin Polak in this. To like speaking of the parameters, as a lead, yeah, he's definitely not a lead. I don't he's even think he's sixth. on the poster. He's built six. It is hard well, to six, say in six an ensemble. Usually, it's hard to say in an ensemble. Yeah, I don't I don't know if like if you looked at the poster, I don't think his picture's on it. I it's don't not, think his name's on no, it. No, there's so only, that, those are like the two things. There are only three usually, people on that it's poster. It's Cruz, Nicholson, Demi Moore. That's who's on the. All right. Well, that's that's usually who I how I uh, base my parameters. Like, are you on the poster? Is your name, like, how are you billed in this movie? Well, by that logic, then Zach, then Kevin Bacon could. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess you're right. By that logic, Kevin Bacon could. Then I'm going back to my answer. All right, so you want Bacon. <laughs> I I'm want taking bacon. Pollock. What do you want, Andrew? I'm taking Noah Wiley. I think Noah <laughs> you're going to stick I'm going to double down <laughs> on the corp Because like I said, that really, to me, is just the best three minutes of dialogue in the, I think it the, is good. It, its flow is like insane. It is good, and like just the it. swagger that Tom Cruise rips that fucking rips manual that, out of his yeah. hand. Sorry, Andrew, awesome. I keep swearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, favorite line in the movie. Who's got a favorite line? Oof, that's tough in this movie. I mean, my top contender is definitely you're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. <laughs> that's a good I, one. That's I really do one. love that, but this this movie is peppered with so many good pieces of dialogue like uh geez i guess i'm i'm going blank there are so many i, I got, guess so. I got yeah what, what do you got andrew when he says to galloway he's like oh i'm sorry i keep forgetting you were sick the day they taught law at law school <laughs> <laughs> i also like oh you got permission from aunt jenny <laughs> and then he meets on jenny and he's like oh oh that's on jenny i was expecting somebody older so, so was I. I. <laughs> Does Aunt Jenny have a barn? We could do the. We could do the. <laughs> we could get Uncle Goober to be the judge. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ace, what do you? Well, hold on. What's your? What's your favorite line? My favorite line is uh, when uh, Sam's like, "Hi, I'm I'm Sam, and I have zero responsibilities." Mm. <laughs> when they uh, go into uh, Demi Moore's office. I also really like, uh, I want you, you know, I want you to stand there in your faggoty fucking uniform and extend me with your Harvard mouth some fucking courtesy. I love that line. I yeah. love everything that Jack Nicholson says in this movie. Yeah, Jack Nicholson is literally a fucking machine. He in gave this him movie. the best dialogue. Yeah, it was If he doesn't awesome. make 4646 on his exam, then I'm going to hold you responsible. And then I'm going to kill you. Dude, oh my God, what a fucking animal. <laughs> if that's a point of contention for you, well, I don't give a shit. Oh, you know what? I got I got my favorite line. It's after uh, he gets him to sit back down in the courtroom toward the end of the movie. Jack Nicholson sits down and he readjusts himself. He goes, what do you want to discuss next? My favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> Please, Ken don't. Kendrick and Caffey have a good dialogue, too. When he's like, um... Can I call you John? And he's like, No, you may not. No, no. you may not. And he's like, no. Have I done something to offend you? And he goes, No, I like all you Navy boys. Every time we've got to go someplace to fight, you fellas give us a ride. <laughs> that's a good line. That's a really that good pretty line. good. That's it for me on lines. Yeah, that's a. I would like to throw one more in from Jack Nicholson. What is it? What do you got? Uh, please, uh, you know, the, these two Marines are fighting for their lives. Please tell me their lawyer hasn't pinned their fate to phone calls and footlockers. 
Love that line. That, you know, when he first makes the stand, when they first get him on the stand, he really does. He's got his shit yeah. covered until until he does it, until Tom Cruise really comes and like twists his own words against him. I, I there there's another piece of trivia uh, in regards to Jack Nicholson. They paid him five million dollars for ten days worth of filming. A let he he did an extra day of filming uh, because they didn't get all their footage. But uh, there's there's a quote. I think it was either by Jack Nicholson being flippant about the movie, or it was by Rob Reiner. But essentially, they go best five million that was ever spent <laughs> That's awesome. one thing i wanted to bring up about the movie that i did actually forget to do um which thinking of a tom cruise line made me think of it is when he said when he's talking about how like why he was assigned to the case hmm. and he's like do you think it's because they never wanted this case to see a courtroom and i almost wonder if it's because like in the military's mind they knew something shady went down yeah that's exactly dude i brought this up earlier that's exactly what it was mm -hmm. and when he realizes it is when this switch goes off it's like you motherfuckers like i'm yeah, gonna like, show you're you all acting and you're all in cahoots right that's exactly and he was he was literally and kevin bacon even says that he's Ross. set up to be in that courtroom he's in that position because he can just play baseball and get the plea deal and send the boys <laughs> away and that's what's what well, yeah. Ross, Ross even says it when they confront him at the basketball court. Uh, he, he says something to the effect of, yeah, the military's given me a lot of leeway on this case. And Tom Cruise, uh, Kathy goes, how much leeway? And he goes, we'll knock it down to two years and they'll get six months and they'll go home. Like that shows how much he's in cahoots with them. It's right. like he's in on the conspiracy to a certain degree. Like they're giving him information like, yeah, go for this amount of time for jail but if they push you on it, we want to make sure that the conspiracy is not brought up. Give them two years, send them home in six months. Well, I also think that they're really trying to make sure that it's like, you're going to go, you could potentially go down really hard, Kathy, if you don't take the deal and move on with your career. Oh, yeah. He says that when he's drunk. He's like, and for Lieutenant Kathy, a court marshal. He'll spend the rest of his life typing typewriter maintenance. Right, 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 right. And, that's, and I think that's what, Kevin Bacon, even though he knew there was some real shady shit going, was like, this is my job, this is what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to help you keep your job. Yeah, and he keeps saying that. He's like, I, I may be one of them, but don't rope me into the same category as Kendrick and Jessup. Right, they are brainwashed animals. Yeah. Like, on the wall. Constantly. They're in the cult of Jessup. Right, 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 right. <laughs> What's but, the next yeah. one? What do we got? Uh, what would you do differently? I've said everything I would do differently, so... Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I, I really I do. I think this is a perfect movie. Yeah. I I don't think it's a perfect movie, but, you know, it's a great movie. It's a great one. Well, you know, your opinions are your own. They are mine. <laughs> they are my own. I got nothing. All right. Uh, at that, we... Does that conclude Few Good Men? That, that concludes A Few Good Men, boys. I'm bummed. And I am too. Like, I feel like there's more we should be talking about with this movie. Um, we, have, we have a lot of material today. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? What are we at with time right now? Uh, hour and a half. What? That flew. Yeah, that, that really flew. did fly. That really did fly. And we didn't set the stage at all. At all. No we way. We just dove right in. Yeah, dude. This movie's fucking great. I, I love this movie. I'm so happy the conversation just naturally flowed. So that brings us to this week's challenge, ladies and gentlemen. We got a new one for you. Uh, we decided to get a little bit weird. Uh, well, I guess it's not weird, but it definitely is within the spirit of this movie. So, you know, this is our first Kevin Bacon movie. We are playing tonight 
six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How is this going to work? So this is going to work very similar to last week. So last okay. week we did uh, we did quotes. So essentially we all brought three actors to the table today and we're going to kind of do a trivia round. So essentially what's going to happen is we're going to look to separate uh, an actor by the least amount of degrees to Kevin Bacon. So essentially the, okay. the, the, okay. Okay. the okay. theory goes that Kevin Bacon has been in so many movies with so many actors that every actor that's ever existed could be connected to Kevin Bacon within six actors. So, you know, shaking hands. So essentially how this is going to go is we've all got three actors lined up and we're going to say the actor and the other two podcast hosts have to try and connect it as uh, through as few uh, actors as possible. So for for example, like if you chose Meryl Streep. Okay. The answer is very simple. Uh, so th- it's one degree of separation between Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon because Meryl Streep was in a movie with Kevin Bacon called The River is Wild. Right. So, okay. if, so sure. you know, you would get that point, whoever answers that the quickest. But here's the thing. I, I don't know what you guys did. I did not come up with answers for my actors because there are so many different ways that you can connect all these people to Kevin Bacon. So really what it comes down to is the first one to chime in with the least amount of people. So like, for example, if again, if I said Meryl Streep and Andrew was like, I got this Meryl Streep was in river wild with Kevin Bacon. Uh, Andrew would get that point. And we're going to do three of these. It's going to be best out of three. Yeah. You guys agree with that? Yeah. I didn't, I don't have actors like who I'm just going to wing it. All right, Go that's fair. It. I like it. That's fair. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this very well without my computer. So this is going to be an experiment for all of us. Okay. Hit me. You want me to go first? Yeah. All right. So my first actor is Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch is in um, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog with Ian McKellen, who's in X-Men First Class with Kevin Bacon. Very good. <laughs> Two degrees of separation. Ace, off the top of your head, can you top it? No. Can you do one? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I can't. All right. That was, that was awesome. That was great. I think Andrews are going to be the only one who is able to do this. He might be. He might be. Let's see. We I'm used just, to play this all the time. We did, like, but we, I, I always, I, I always didn't. go down tangents. And we never did it. We never did it with just Kevin Bacon either. We would pick two actors, and we'd be like, "Okay, now you have to do these two actors." But we could do I, that. No, I love the Kevin Bacon idea because you're yeah, right. Kevin fun. Bacon's in a fuck ton of stuff. He's in sure everything is. with everyone. All right, so the next actor I have, we've already mentioned him tonight uh, as Lieutenant Kendrick, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is, oh, Shia LaBeouf is in Fury with Brad Pitt, who is in Sleepers with Kevin Bacon. Nailed it! Can you do it simpler? You got five seconds. Whoa, I only have five seconds? <laughs> yeah, 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 five I'll seconds. Give, go, 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 I'll, give you, go. I'll give you eight. All right, so Shia LaBeouf. No computer. I'm not looking it up. Too. Mm-hmm. Just like I was, um, I don't. Eight seconds. I'm trying to do it with Tom Hardy. Um, to Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Time's up. Okay. All right. Nice. I can't believe I got that. That was awesome. <laughs> that was great. That was really fucking good. I'm gonna be up against a huge challenge when I'm going against Andrew here. Um. Uh. All right. So the next one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is his is his name actually Coleman Reese? Because he was my next actor. <laughs> Coleman name, Reese is a character. His name is not actually <laughs> Coleman Reese. Reese is a character in a movie. <laughs> he's, my, he's my next one. So you got to connect him through Batman. Connected through Batman? Well, I, I don't know what else he's in, but that's my actor. Whoever plays Coleman Reese. 
Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well, you got Coleman Reese, who was in Batman <laughs> with Morgan Freeman, who was in Clint Eastwood's uh, Unforgiven, who was in Clint Eastwood's uh, Sleepers. <laughs> Clint Eastwood didn't nah, sleep. No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Oh, you're not far, though. You're not, not far. far. I'm not far, I know. So you got Morgan Freeman. I can't believe you haven't gotten this I'm, yet. I'm struggling, you know, I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, let's see. Unforgiven uh, with Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood did... Oh, cocksucker. I know. Like, oh, fucking hell. Um, oh, Clint Eastwood did... Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. So, I mean, I have one. Um, oh, no. Clint Eastwood was, uh, he did American Sniper with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper was in um, Silver Linings Playbook with Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro was in Sleepers. So, how many is that? And that's seven. <laughs> so, I have one in less than that. Col Coleman Reese is in The Dark Knight. <laughs> that's not Coleman Reese is in The Dark Knight with Gary Oldman. Who's in Lawless with Tom Hardy? Who's in Warrior with Joel Edgerton? Who's in Black Mass with Kevin Bacon? That was less than what Ace did. Yeah, I can do less than that though. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so um, Coleman Reese to Gary Oldman to Brad Pitt in True Romance to Sleepers with Kevin Bacon. All right, that's fair. So what do we both get in for? Oh, did you do four? I did four, yeah. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, I did four. Shit, tie. I thought I could get it less. Yeah, tie. Tiebreaker? Tie yeah. Tiebreaker? Yeah. yeah. No. We have plenty. What? No, 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 Andrew, no, Andrew, no, Andrew, no, Andrew, no. Andrew, Andrew gets it. Andrew gets it. Andrew oh, gets right. it. For all sure. Right, all right. For sure. Is that your three? <laughs> that was my three. All right, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Bacon to Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Um, oh, bloody fucking hell. Um, hmm. Sam Rockwell was in Vice with Christian Bale. And uh, American Hustle with Robert De Niro and Kevin Bacon with Sleepers. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I can't go. <laughs> sleepers has a lot of a lot of ammo. Apparently, you can you beat it in four? Not off the top of my head, no. All right, Kevin Bacon and Kevin Hart. Kevin Bacon and Kevin Hart. Um. Oh shit! I don't know. Damn. Fucking thing. Okay. That Kevin Hart's done. <laughs> if you want to try it with Soul Plane and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like there's um, guys. Kevin Hart's in a lot of. Things. I was just yeah. I know. Say, I can't what, think of a fucking what, thing that he was. What in. What was though. that movie he was in with Jack Black and The Rock? Um, uh, uh, Central Intelligence. No, no, no. Jack no. Black. <laughs> uh, it was the Amazon movie. Was it Jumanji? Jumanji. Jumanji. Oh shit! So Kevin Hart was in that. <laughs> that movie with Jack Black and The Rock. <laughs> uh, Classic Hollywood combo. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin Hart. Oh, uh, okay. Let me try this one out. Uh, I feel like there's a connection here with Ed Norton. So, uh, oh, your Kevin, favorite. Kevin Hart was in uh, Jumanji with Jack Black. Jack Black was in uh, Tropic Thunder with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Dude, you're closer. You're closer than that. You're closer than that. Way closer? Yeah, way closer. Kevin Hart, Jack Black. In Tropic Thunder. Who else was in Tropic Thunder? Robert. And? Ben. And? Tom Cruise. Tom! <laughs> and then Few Good Men. <laughs> I totally forgot about Tom Cruise. I just I was gave actually, you that point. Thank you. And I was actually watching that today. This is Flaming Dragon. Oh, okay. Fuck face. <laughs> All right. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. 
<laughs> Go on. And Kel Mitchell. What? Mitchell. Are we going to connect oh that through Sinbad? No, it's supposed to be through Soul Plane. Or you Was could, Kel Mitchell in Soul Plane? You could connect it through Abe Vigoda, who plays Tessio. <laughs> What's Tessio? From The Godfather. What? With Kel Mitchell? He was in Good Burger with Kel Mitchell. <laughs> no way. He was. He was Otis. He made the fries. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say, well, say them is. again. Yeah. Say them again. Who are the two actors? Kevin Bacon. Kel Mitchell and Kevin Bacon. Kel Mitchell was in Good Burger with... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, this is good. You got this. <laughs> Kel Mitchell's also in Mystery Men. Kel Mitchell oh, was in Mystery Men. Who am I, to Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, hasn't yeah, yeah. changed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. All right, yeah. All right. Do it. Do Kel it. Kel Mitchell it. to Mystery Men with Ben Stiller to Meet the Parents with Robert De Niro to Kevin Bacon and Sleepers. You Fuck. love Sleepers. You love Sleepers. <laughs> For what it's worth, Sleepers is really good. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. Sleepers oh, is a great really movie. good movie. Great, great, great movie. Was that your three? Yeah. Okay. Ace, what do you got? I'm going to um, get my ass kicked right now. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Uh, let's do... Uh, let's do John Depp. Johnny. Kevin. Johnny. Johnny Depp's in Black Mass with Kevin Bacon. Damn. All right. Let's do. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's do. Oh, Is that one you... degree of separation? Yeah, it's one degree of separation. There's no good. degrees of separation. <laughs> They're in the same movie. I'm trying to think of a. Okay, here's this. Kevin Bacon to Chris Pratt. Hmm. I can think of one already. By one degree? Chris Three Pratt degrees. is in Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence, who's in American Hustle with Robert De Niro, who's in Sleepers with... <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. With Kevin Bacon. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> you win. But what's the last one? Uh, Betsy Palmer. Who? <laughs> yeah, I just took a huge. I just took a huge pause. Get who, what? What's she in? What do you? She's uh, she's Jason Voorhees' mother. Get the fuck out of here. She's in Friday the Thirteenth with Kevin Bacon. Very good. Uh, see, I got you guys. If, if you didn't know, Kevin Bacon's in the original Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. trick question. <laughs> 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 I was gonna try to connect them through Tom Green. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. All right, boys. That's all I've got for tonight, boys. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. My name is Alex Kamano, and I've been uh, I've been drinking. I've been watching. My name is Matthew Belts. I've been drinking and watching. I'm Andrew Hogan, and I too have been drinking. Peace, y'all. Yeah,